Because the word Allah has been made such that it's not complicated to say. There's not much of the mouth that has to be employed to even say it. It literally comes without having to make much a movement. And there's some scholars, like Sheikh Zakaria Kandilwi Rahmatullahi Alayhi, our grand Sheikh in a sense. I think he was in a coma or unconscious or something. And he was so used to saying Allahu, Allahu throughout in his, you know, every, every breath, that even when he's unconscious, that's what he's doing. Now that's amazing. You, 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 are, guaranteed the, you are guaranteed the name of Allah at your death. However you die, I guess, right? Because you're constantly saying that, unless you're in the you know, place you can't say it. But that, that, that's the amazing thing, for your tongue to be constantly in your heart as well. And your breath, imagine it. To be constantly with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi hamdan kathiran, tayyiban, mubarakan, fi, mubarakan alayh, kama yuhibbu rabbuna wa yarda. Jalla jalaluhu wa amma nawaluhu wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidil habibil mustafa sallallahu ta'ala. عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد To continue with our series on the hikam of Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari rahimahu Allah We are on hikam or hikmah wisdom number 118 Page 112 for those of you who have the book It's wisdom 118 and page 112 This is what he says He says لما علم الحق منك وجود الملل لون لك الطاعات وعلم ما فيك من وجود الشره فحجرها عليك في بعض الأوقات ليكون همك إقامة الصلاة لا وجود الصلاة فما كل مصل مقيم This is a really very simple everyday uh, everyday kind of wisdom for pretty much things that happen to us each day. He says this, and this is something that will put into perspective uh, our sharia for us and our um, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to do and how he's t- told us to do it and why there are different forms of worship. So this is what he says. He says, since Allah knows of the existence of weariness on your part, since he knows that you can get bored easily and that you can get weary and tired easily, he has varied the acts of obedience for you. So the different ways that you can be obedient to him, he's made them a whole variety. And since he knows of the existence of impulsiveness in you, you can be very impulsive and do things without thinking them through, do things in haste, try to get things done without due consideration or fulfilling all of its etiquette or required requirements. You just want to get it done. You want to paint a wall, just slap the paint on without you know, a proper job. So since he knows that of the existence of impulsiveness in you, he has limited his obediences to specific times. So there are times you're not allowed to pray. There are days you're not allowed to fast as much as you'd love to fast. So that eventually your concern be with the performance of the ritual prayer 
not with the existence of the ritual prayer. That's a bit of a deep one. So that your concern becomes the performance of the ritual prayer and not just the existence of the ritual prayer. In other words, it's not that you just have to produce it quickly or the prayer is done, but rather I must establish it properly. For not everyone who prays performs well. That's what he said. Not everybody who prays performs well. I think the simplest example of this, get a builder in, a plumber in, an electrician in. And there's a massive difference between builder to builder, plumber to plumber, and electrician to electrician. And in every job it's like that. There's some who just want their money, just want to do the job. They have no consideration for how it's going to look, for how they could do it better, to take the challenge and do it uh, in the best way possible, you know, with an act of goodwill. And mashallah, there's some who can actually really think it through and who'll take the challenge and who'll do it through and will do it. I don't even want to say do it as if it's their own job because there's some people who don't even do their own jobs in a shoddy way. They just want to get it all done with. So it's the same thing with prayer. It's a very similar thing with prayer, but the prayer relates to all of us. So that's what we're going to look at today. This is really telling us like the secret of why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made there to be so many different types of obediences and worships. Because He knows that He's created us to get bored easily, to get weary easily. How long are you going to read Quran for? Right? Eventually you want to stop reading Quran, you want to go and do some nafil prayer. When you finish doing that, you want to just sit down and relax. So He's given you worship to relax with. Literally just sitting down and saying, Allah, when I want to relax, all you have to do is you draw your breath in with Allah and then you exhale with who? Allah, who? Allah, who? Without that noise, of course, silently. You just literally relax and, and it's just so relaxing. Because the word Allah has been made such that it's not complicated to say. There's not much of the mouth that has to be employed to even say it. It literally comes without having to make much a movement. And there's some scholars, like Sheikh Zakaria Kandilwi Rahmatullahi Alayhi, our grand Sheikh in a sense. I think he was in a coma or unconscious or something. And he was so used to saying Allahu, Allahu throughout in his, you know, every, every breath, that even when he's unconscious, that's what he's doing. Now that's amazing. You, 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 are guaranteed the, you are guaranteed the name of Allah at your death. However you die, I guess, right? Because you're constantly saying that, unless you're in the you know, place you can't say it. But that, that, that's the amazing thing, for your tongue to be constantly, and your heart as well, and your breath, imagine it, to be constantly with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's many ways of... And, and if you don't even want to say anything with your tongue, you just sit and contemplate with Allah with your heart. Just think about life and death and what I've been able to do, and what I've not been able to do, my shortcomings, how great Allah's mercy has been. So you can literally just relax and, and just be doing that, if you want to. Right? So Allah has made it, and if you want to take an action, you can go and assist somebody, you can go and help somebody, there's all of this thing, all of this, if you do it for the sake of remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is what he says. So that's what he says. Now, it is part of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's benevolence and His kindness to us that He's obligated worship. 
and he's recommended worship, encouraged worship, and he's made it in all of these ways. He knows that you're not going to be patient with just one thing or just happy with just doing one thing. So what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes he allows you to witness whatever, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's actions are everywhere. Allah's handiwork, Allah's beauty and his majesty, his craftsmanship, his design is everywhere, wherever you go, if you want to look at it, if you want to focus on it, it's there, it's everywhere, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows you to look at that. However, there's some people who won't notice that. They'll go about, but they'll focus you know, they, they, they focus on the apparent things. They don't focus on who's behind it. So they'll see the beautiful trees and they'll appreciate them, but they won't think that it's Allah who had created them. They'll look at the beautiful products and cars and whatever else it may be, but they won't go back to saying that, wow, subhanAllah, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, you know, given humans the ability to do. So that's fine. If you're at that stage, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may then in, employ you in His... Uh, service of some sort let you do some service to the deen however because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that you might just get tired of cleaning the masjid one day or doing some other service right then that's why he's allowed you to do many different types of services you might you might get tired by praying uh, nawafil prayer uh, tarawih prayer right tahajjud prayer so he says okay I'll give you some other forms of worship Generally, human beings, they get tired when something's done over and over again. The only thing that you have to do every day is your work, even though it's repetitive. That's why don't ever find a job or a career that's going to be repetitive. Ask the people in that field. I don't know, I found a lot of accountants, they get tired of counting. I don't know. I mean, I've, a lot of accountants, they get tired of doing the job. Some people may enjoy it. Right? So always find an open career. Right? Are you an accountant or something? Yeah. Yeah. Are you tired of it? I'm tired of it and I just So always pick something that, and you know the best thing is, I mean, I guess everybody can't do this, but it's something that you're going to be fulfilling uh, something with, that you can actually contribute to society. There's always a new challenge. There's always a new assistance that you're providing, a new khidmah that you're doing. It's not a dead-end job. Subhanallah. That would be the best. May Allah grant us all something like that. So... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then allowed you to do many different types of obediences. So get tired of doing salat sometimes, go to his dhikr. When you don't want to do remembrance, then start read, re reading a book of fiqh or hadith or tafsir or whatever. And, and likewise. And then even in dhikr, there's not just one type of dhikr. There's multiple forms of dhikr. There's multiple, uh, there's multiple formulas of dhikr. There's multiple types of adhkar and remembrances. So that's why you'll, inshallah, you'll keep, that's why we generally suggest, you know, on those days where you have to spend a lot of time, like in Arafah or in Hajj or on the 27th night when you want to spend the whole night, then it's a good idea that you have a list of different things you can do. Otherwise, you get tired and it's like, what do I do next? If you've got a list, okay, I'll, get a bit of do, uh, bit of, I'll do a bit of salawat on the Prophet wasallam. I'll do a bit of dua, I'll do a bit of this, I'll do a bit of this, then it kind of gets your day through and mashallah, you be productive. So this is what the ulama say. They say that فَالْعِبَادَةُ مَعَ النَّشَاطِ فَالْعِبَادَةُ مَعَ النَّشَاطِ وَلَوْ قَلَّتْ أَعْظَمُ مِنَ الْعِبَادَةِ مَعَ الْكَسَلِ 
your worship and obedience with vigor and refreshed, you know, re, uh, and, and being fresh about it, even if it's small, even if it's little, is, is greater and superior than the worship that you do in laz- with laziness or weariness. Because there's a lot more heart and eagerness in the first one. وَإِنْ كَثُرَتْ Even if that lazy worship is a lot. Because the quality is not there. لَيْسَ الْعِبْرَةُ بِكَثْرَةِ الْحِسِّ وَإِنَّمَ الْعِبْرَةُ بِوُجُودِ الْمَعْنَى The point is not that you can perceive a lot, that it just looks a lot. What's the, what should be considered is the substance and the element and the quality. May Allah give us that. So now, Shaykh Zarruq is one of the great spiritual scholars. He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed us to do, has essentially instated for us different types of worship for three different reasons. Number one, as a source of mercy for us so that we can gain comfort with different ones and not get tired of any particular one and move on to another one. Number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants this as a proof against us. Look, I didn't give you just one form of worship that you get tired every day. It's not one type of food, right? So you have no excuse to say that I was tired. So even if you're knocked out from work and you're tired, you can come home and just do a bit of meditation, which will actually refresh you, inshallah. And number three, he says, just so that you could be connected to Allah and connected to His remembrance in multiple ways. Just made it easy. You can connect wherever you go, wherever you are, whatever state you're in. So that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's bounties upon you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's benevolence on you is complete by that. He's making it easy for us out of His kindness. And your worship becomes easy. Now, he then says the next point, Ibn Ata'illah makes the next point. He says that one of the reasons why sometimes you get weary and bored about certain things and tired of certain things is because you don't think things through and you do things with impulsiveness. That could be one of the reasons. Because you're so eager to do something, so you just do it and finish it off. Sometimes it could be that as well. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now has not allowed you to do every type of worship at all times. Of course, there are certain things that you can do at any time. But with certain very important worships like salat, you have to be in a state of purity. You have to have pure clothing, pure place, wudu, face the qibla, certain times of the day. And at other times it's not even allowed when the sun is rising or setting or when the sun is at its peak at noon. It's not allowed at that time. So that's why he says, and he knows of the existence of impulsiveness in you, so he has limited these worships to specific times. Impulsiveness um, has three problems, creates three problems in anything that you do. That could be your worship or it could be your work. There are three problems. Number one, eventually you give up. You don't want to do it. You don't feel like doing it anymore. Number two, you become bored and it becomes a burden. Either you, the first one was you either abandon it. You just don't want to do it anymore. I can't do this job anymore, so I'm going to leave Jiddah or whatever, right? You know, I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to go and do something else. Well, number two, you just get, keep, keep getting bored. So your productivity gets less. Right? At-tathakul. You just feel heavy about doing this. You don't feel good about doing it anymore. And number three, you don't do it properly because you don't fulfill all of its rights. Because you're, you're impulsive about it. 
Now, when you restrict things to certain times, right? That's why they say work. If you want to be productive, give yourself time to work and don't get disturbance in that. So there's three things. Number one, when you have particular times, then it won't just be impulsive. Right? Number two, if you didn't have a time, then you could procrastinate. A lot of people do that. You've got jobs, you've got tasks. And one of the major forms of procrastination, even if you're a productive individual, is that you'll try to do the easier, more comforting jobs than the more difficult ones, even though they're at the top of your list. And their deadline is sooner, but you'd actually more likely want to do the other easier, less intensive tasks. So that's why certain worships are obligated at a particular time, so you can't keep putting them off. That's another benefit of timely uh, time appointment. Uh, number three is that if you have to do it, then you have to do it at that time. And you won't then abandon it totally. So you won't even delay it. You won't abandon it. And the reason why this is a, a, a particularly a point is because generally in the world, our nafs will take over. Because when the shaitan takes over and our nafs takes over, then you don't want to do the worship. So the first part I was talking about is a person who wants to do the worship, they do it impulsively. Now, as long as we've got an obligation on our head, you better pray salat then at least that prevents us, at least that gets us into that habit that you better pray so that you can't abandon it completely. Otherwise, I've got a meeting, let me abandon my prayer. I don't feel like it today, let me abandon my prayer. Now, the other reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does all of this for us, makes it very variable, allows us to do it certain times and prohibits at other times, regulates our timing, is because He wants us to do it fresh. He wants us to do it excellently with ihsan and beautification and not in some kind of haphazard way just to fulfill the obligation that's the main point he's saying so that's why he says so that your concern be with the performance for example of the ritual prayer not just with bringing it into existence in some way you could probably tell a painter by the types of paint brushes they use you just get a massive brush and just slap it on <coughs> or do you have a multiple of brushes where you can do the refined edges and so on right it's that kind of an idea i guess now for a true believer because salat affords them a communication with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we were discussing in the last session right we were discussing the focus with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the communication and the interaction and the proper engagement in our prayers so if you once you've got that now you're not allowed to pray right now you're waiting for the next prayer so your eagerness is improving your eagerness is expanding like that's why today hajj is easier in one sense but it's actually a lot more difficult in another sense it's easier in the sense that you could get there in seven to ten hours you could do your last day of work you know you're full of work 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 you finish you got a flight five hours after your work you, you've you've thrown your you know you've got your stuff together and then within ten hours or so you're in hajj and you have to get into the mode. Whereas the people before, they would take three, four, five, six, seven months to get there. So with every step, it's all preparing for that journey. All that difficulty just contributes to it. I think the only way you can do that now is if you probably take a car or a bike and go for Hajj. Right? Or you take some trains or something. But with a flight, I guess it's just, you're just going to be there.
Not to say that you can't get yourself engaged, you can, but you know, I'd like to try that one day. Just take a few weeks to get there. You know, not a few months, I guess we don't have that luxury, but a few weeks. Just try to see how Hajj has been for 1400 years until this century. That's how it used to be. Months to get there for most of the people of the world. So then eventually your nafs, you really want to do it. The next prayer time, you just can't wait for it. Your next prayer time. And then when you do it, you really enjoy it. As opposed to if you had to just keep doing it all the time. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet sallallahu said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَنظُرُ إِلَىٰ صُوَرِكُمْ وَلَا إِلَىٰ أَعْمَالِكُمْ وَلَكِنْ يَنظُرُ إِلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't look at your forms and the postures you're doing and the actions that you're doing. He doesn't care about that. He looks at your heart. Where is your heart when you're doing these actions? The point is not the movement of your body. That's no, that's no point. It has to be of a certain movement, obviously. Otherwise, you'll, everybody will make up their own prayers. right? So that is there. That does have to be. But that's not what Allah wants to look at. That's just basic requirements. It's really to see how humble your heart is and how submissive your ruh has become. So that's why he says that. So he wants to make sure that your main focus becomes that I'm establishing this new prayer for Allah. I'm not just putting down a few sujood and a few ruku. You want to try to fulfill all the rights of salat, the external rights and the internal rights. And that actually starts from wudu. How good is my wudu? It starts from there because that's all preparedness for it. So he, in Arabic, he uses the word iqamatu salah as opposed to just salat. Iqama means establishing the prayer, like putting a foundation in and building it up. So the word iqama, it means to make something stand. It comes from the concept of qiyam. Qiyam means to stand, right? And iqama means make something stand up, erect something. So you are erecting a proper prayer in every aspect of it. Not just the form of it, but the internal aspect and every other aspect of it as well. Because that's why he says, he says that la wujuda salat min ghayri iqama. If you just suddenly bring a salat into existence without actually properly erecting it with all of its substance and everything, then it's going to be maytatun khawiyatun. It's going to be desolate. It's not going to have any spirit in there. Fahiya ila al-uqubati akrab. I'm praying, man. He's saying that it's going to be more closer to being worthy of punishment. He's saying like, I'm praying at least. There's a lot of prayer people who don't pray. He's saying that when you rise up to that level, your standard becomes different. Your standard becomes different. So yeah, you want to be at that standard because you're closer to Allah. You just need to rise. Don't take this as like, hey, I should go back to the other standard. Like at least I'm better than those guys who don't even pray at all. They say that if you want to establish the prayer, you have to make sure you fulfill all of its obligations, all of its limits, all of its conditions. And you have to, the main thing of the prayer is that you must try to maintain and develop that internal connection with Allah in your prayer. That's the only way you're going to actually have a proper prayer is if you develop that internal connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the outer form of it, that's everybody can do. But the struggle is how you internally connect as well at the same time. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, you know, he was a khalif for about two and a half years. In which time he, he, you know, he got people so used to worships and prayers that the talk on the street, 
today the talk on the streets is about investments and that kind of stuff because everybody's into that in that time uh, and, and the Khalif before him that was the discussion on buildings because Sulaiman ibn Abdul Malik Walid ibn Abdul Malik they were into buildings and uh, real estate and assets and that right a number of the Muslim, famous Muslim buildings of uh, the Muslim lands they're built by Walid ibn Abdul Malik like some Khalifs before Umar ibn Abdul Aziz the Qubbat al-Sakhra, the Jami al-Umawi, and a number of the others. And they're still standing today, mashallah. Good thing in a sense, but the focus. In Umar ibn Abdul Aziz's time, the focus on the street became, hey brother, how many qadas have you done? You know, where you, have you finished your qadas yet? Subhanallah, top-down approach this is. Right? And that, I knew that already. But when I read this, it was just put it in perspective. Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, he wrote to all of his governors in the different towns and cities of the world. He wrote to them, he says, Inna ahamma umurikum indi as-salat. For me, you know, he's the, he's the khalif, so he's telling them, make sure that, you know, you're the law is, you know, abided by and make sure you do this and make sure you do that. He says, the most important matter for me that you need to fulfill is your salat. Wow. They're supposed to be looking after the affairs of the Muslims. He's telling them your salat should be the best. That meaning the most important thing must be your salat. Why? Because he explained, he says, فَمَنْ حَفِظَهَا وَحَافَظَ عَلَيْهَا Whoever preserves the prayer and is regular upon the prayer in the proper way, not just putting out the form. فَهُوَ لِمَا سِوَاهَا أَحْفَظَ He's going to be very protective and diligent about everything else. Because if your salat is proper, then that means you're doing it for Allah and everything else, then, then you gain a certain level of ma'rifah of Allah, then you're doing everything else for the sake of Allah. So that means everything else you're also focused on. You learn how to focus. You learn how to do things beautifully. If you can't do a salat beautifully, what can you do beautifully? وَمَنْ ضَيَّعَهَا And anybody who squanders and wastes the prayer, فَهُوَ لِمَا سِوَاهَا أَضِعَ Then he's probably going to be less concerned about anything else which is... Uh, to the benefit you know, of the Muslim world. Then after that, he ends this by saying, فَمَا كُلُّ مُصَلِّمْ مُقِيمٌ Not every person who's praying is an establisher of the prayer. This is the really interesting part. As I explained to you, the word iqama, and you know in the Quran, constantly the wording used for establishing prayer is iqamatu salah, muqimu salah, muqimu salah. رَبِّ جِعَلْنِي مُقِيمَ الصَّلَاةِ وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي Our Lord, make us of those who establish the prayer, erect the prayer properly and from my, um, and, and from my progeny. So constantly, whenever it's talking about a praiseworthy encouragement of prayer, it's talking about إِقَامَةُ salah, never salat on its own. Hardly ever, right? When you say, أَقَامَ فُلَانٌ دَارَهُ It's an Arabic term that the person has erected the house, it means he's completed it. Otherwise, if you just erected the shell, then it's not a house yet. still a shell. In one hadith, it says that Anybody whose salat does not prohibit him, prevent him from immoralities and wrongs, then it's only going to take him further from Allah. It's quite a sensitive statement that is so it's like why are you praying then well it's definitely better than not praying believe me but it just means you just enhance your prayer now 
Right? Don't joke to yourself that you're praying and you know, you're getting something out of your prayer because you're not. So the purpose is get something out of your prayer. In another version, in a, sorry, in another narration, it says, if somebody prays, فَلَمْ يُتِمَّ رُكُوعَهَا وَلَا سُجُودَهَا but does not complete the ruku and sujood because that's where a lot of people mess up because it's bang, bang, bang. Right? It's go down and up, down and up. In the, in the standing, you can't, I mean, you have to read something. So, and it's wajib to read the fatiha or farda in some people. So you do stand for a while. But then it's ruku and sujood where people just think that's just like a little, you know, little, little thing on the side you do in your prayer. Right? As long as I've stood and then sat down and said, salam, that's very important. The, 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 the ruku and sujood is just... So he says, whoever doesn't do that properly, wala khushu'aha, and does not complete the, the reverence, the, the internal feeling. See, the ruku and sujood is an external action, right? But the reverent feeling in the heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whoever doesn't complete that, luffat, the salat is rolled up by the angels. Kama khalaq. Just like you have this old cloth that eventually is worn and you don't want just roll it up. And thumma yudrabu biha wajun is thrown back in his face. So he says, Fal musalluna kathir. MashaAllah, there's lots of people who do salat. Well muqimuna qaleel. But those who properly erect the prayer in a proper sense are less. Fa'ahlul ashbahi kathir. So the people with the form are lots, but the people with the hearts are few. That's why Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi, al-Ma'afiri says, Rahimahullah, I've seen, and he's, it's an observation of his, in, in his life, he says, um, among those people who are regular in their prayer, I've seen thousands and thousands and thousands that I can't, I can't count them all. As for those who are regular on their prayers with proper reverent fear and focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, I've only seen five people. That's a bit, that's a, that, 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 that's a bit disheartening, right? If that's what he's seen, then, you know, hopefully he's just exaggerating. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy and Allah make us among, among the people who do this. Sheikh Abu Abbas al-Mursi, he, uh, and he says that, and this is interesting, he says, look in the Qur'an. Every place in the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised those who pray, praised the salat doers, he always, nearly always uses the word muqimina salat, not just musallun. See, in Arabic, the word salla yusalli means to pray. And musalli is the, the one who does the prayer. And so you could have you could have used that the one who does the prayer, but he says in every place he wants to praise the person praying. He doesn't say musalli. He says mukim is salat, the establisher of the prayer, to add that additional element that you better establish it properly. Or if it's not mukim is salat, then some other word that indicates the same thing. And he gives a few examples. Surah Al-Baqarah, verse three: "Al-ladina yu'minuna bil ghaybi wa yuqimuna salat." Right at the beginning. Those who believe in the unseen and who establish the prayer. In Surah Ibrahim verse 40. Rabbi ja'alni muqeem as-salati. Our Lord make me of those who establish the prayer. Not just make me of the prayers. 
In Surah At-Tawbah verse 18, وَأَقَامَ الصَّلَاةَ And who has established the prayer, not just who salla. He could have said that. And Surah Al-Hajj verse 35, وَالْمُقِيمِ الصَّلَاةِ Those who establish the prayer. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses those who are negligent about their prayers or heedless in their prayers or not focused in their prayers, when he talks about the munafiqeen, for example, for example, in Surah Al-Ma'oon, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ Woe be to those prayers, those performers of prayer, who are negligent about their prayer. There are three ways of developing reverence and humility in the prayer, the focus in the prayer. There's three levels and you have to go to one, then the next one, then the third one. Trying to jump to the third one is a bit complicated because it's a training. And I don't know if we've even started, but may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to uh, start this. The first one he says is, خُشُوءُ خَوْفٍ وَانْكِسَارٍ وَإِذْلَالٍ Which is the, the reverence of fear and humility and submission to Allah. That I'm in front of Allah, I, I owe this to Allah, I am in need of Allah, and I'm submissive to Allah. That's why I'm doing this. Even getting that much is the first step. And he says, This is for the regular worshippers and those who are trying to focus away from the dunya, uh, away from the dunya on the akhirah. Like that's probably already a high level for us. But he says that's actually the first level. Because without that, you're just... It's just the form, right? Number two, he says, is when your reverence gets to magnifying Allah, is beyond just being submissive, it's I am exalting Allah. When you say Allahu Akbar, you mean it. In your heart, at that point, there's nothing greater than Allah. Otherwise, when we say Allahu Akbar, Allah is greatest, do we actually genuinely feel that? Or is money greater sometimes? Or our jobs are greater or something? This is the reverence which is full of magnification of Allah, in awe of Allah, like you know Him now, you know how great He is, right? and you are understanding His majesty. He says this becomes the stage of those who are not your normal worshipper, but they've actually now started really focusing. They are the salikin. They have a bit of a dhikr uh, regimen that they do. They're focused on the path. They've made it a career for themselves. And the third level is khushu'u farahin wa sururin wa iqbalin. This is when you start to enjoy that prayer. Right? In the sense that when you get into that prayer, you get a pleasure out of it. You get happiness. You get excitement. And you get attention from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you're actually communicating now. You have to build up to it. A lot of people, they don't feel this. They've heard about it. They say, what's the point of praying? I don't feel that. Brothers, there's stages before that. We make that effort first. Then you become professional. Then you start enjoying. Right? You want to start getting the enjoyment. You've not even made an effort. You've not shown Allah your seriousness yet. So he says that this is when the salat becomes a joy of your eyes. You know the Prophet ﷺ said that uh, The joy of my eyes is in prayer. Like how does he do it for so long until his feet get swollen? And he's still doing it. And he's enjoying it. And Sahaba enjoy it. You know you read the Fadail, uh, fadail A'mal and all the stories of the Sahaba enjoying it. Because they've reached that stage. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to reach that stage. So um, that's all we have time for today. There's a, a, bit of, a bit more discussion about the prayer, inshallah. We'll try to finish that off next time, inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to have a beautiful prayer and allow us to ascend to these levels. Allahumma anta salam, anta salam, tabarakta yadal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma yadal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya ma'adin al judi wal karam, ya akram al akramin, wa ya khayr al mas'uleen, wa ya khayr al mu'teen. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, have mercy on this ummah. Ya Allah, have mercy on this congregation. Ya Allah, forgive us all. Ya Allah, draw us close to you. Allah, Ya Allah, remove the barriers. Oh Allah, remove the obstacles. Remove the hindrances. Oh Allah, remove the distractions. Oh Allah, we start off in the morning and we want to do good. <clears throat> we want to become your servants and your slaves. Oh Allah, we want to become your lovers. But by the end of the day, we've lost this zeal. Many things have come in between. Other things compete and have taken its place. Oh Allah, we ask you for focus and sincerity. We ask you for purity and taqwa. Oh Allah, we ask for your, from your generosity. We ask from your grace, from your benevolence, from your kindness, from your compassion. Oh Allah, we are your servants at the end of the day. Oh Allah, regardless of who we are, what we are, Oh Allah, we sit here today because you have given us the ability to do so. Oh Allah, if you have allowed us to sit here today and to remember you, to discuss things about your religion, about your devotion and worship, and now finally you've allowed us to raise these hands to you. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Oh Allah, give us what we have in our hearts, what we really want from you. And oh Allah, remove everything else which is a form of distraction. Oh Allah, you've given us abundantly of this world. You've given us more than so many others in this world. Oh Allah, do not make us of those who now use this to forget you and who these things become a burden for. Oh Allah, make these things a source of inspiration for us to assist in your deen. Oh Allah, allow whatever material means and other facilities and things you have given us to assist and to dedicate them for your deen. O oh Allah, accept us for the service of your deen. O oh Allah, protect us, our children, our families, our progeny until the day of judgment. O oh Allah, protect those around the world in Palestine, in India and in many other places where the oppression has started or is continuing. And O oh Allah, make us of those who serve this ummah and who can do something, something for the better of this ummah. O oh Allah, bless all of those who are here and who listen today and all those O oh Allah, who want to come close to you. O oh Allah, bring us all close to you. And O oh Allah, accept from us and send your abundant blessings on our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. Wassalamun ala mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will 
have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.